Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You'll learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, called The Prayer and Power of Love and Fullness. God does speak in a still, small voice, and that's why I said it's important that you pray with an open Bible, because the Lord speaks to us through his word. Sometimes we have difficulty when we're hearing something, maybe in our hearts, we say, God, is that you? Is that me? And the best way to test that is with an open Bible. Is the word of God motivating me to pray for this, to pray in this direction? Is the spirit of God confirming that? And so Paul says, I kneel. Notice he says, For this reason, because of the great revelation of who we are, I bow my knees before my Father. And I would just say to you, that's enough reason to pray right there. It's enough reason to pray right there just to be thankful for what God has done for you. That's enough. But God is so gracious that he will let us and he will hear our petitions and he will come to our aid and he's there as our great high priest to offer assistance to us. But it's enough if we just could say, That every day, the only reason we pray is to thank God for our redemption. That's enough. And that's what drove Paul to his knees. And he says, from whom, and he was talking about the Father in the previous verse, that word is pater in Greek. It's not Abba there, but pater. And and it says, from whom, and the whom is the Father, every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now, Every family in heaven and on earth is not universal salvation. Uh, Not everybody is a child of God. The Bible actually classifies two types of people. There are children of God, and this is going to shock some people, and there are children of the devil. If you want a verse, 1 John 3.10 says, By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not from God or not of God nor the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. John seems to make a strong argument there that love is the indicator of God's presence. If you're a child of God, you will love like God. You will have the love of God in you. But how can you say you love God and hate your brother? John will say later in the same letter. Turn to the book of John, and let me show you a couple passages that relate to this. John chapter 1, and... Let's look at uh, verses 11 through 13. John 1, 11 through 13. It says, He, Jesus, came to his own, John 1, 11, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become what? Children of God. Even to those who believe in his name. Now, receiving Jesus Christ, John 1, 12, is the means by which you get the right to become a child of God. You must believe, trust in his name. And then it's clarified, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In other words, it's not about a natural birth that makes you a child of God. It's about a what? Spiritual birth. Now John 3.3 3 confirms that. From the lips of Jesus, go there. John 3.3, 3, Jesus to Nicodemus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, John 3, 3, unless one is born again, he cannot, what? 
see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Think of human terms, fleshly terms. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. You must be born again. And if you're not born again, you're not a child of God. You could say, well, everybody's created by God. That's true. God is the creator of everybody. But you must be reborn, if you will, into his family. That's what Jesus is saying. You must be born from above. You must have a new birth. And that is how you become a child of the living God. Go to John 8. Jesus is in heated discourse with the religious leaders, John 8. They are uh, accusing him of, of having a demon, being a Samaritan. They're throwing the whole book at him. And John 8, uh, look at verse 43. Jesus says, Why do you not understand why I'm saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. John 8, 44. You are of your father. What? That's, that's straight from the lips of Jesus. You are of your father, the devil. Now notice what Jesus says. And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. There's an insight about Lucifer. No truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar. And the father of lies, (laughs) implication, he's the father of liars and you're a bunch of liars. Therefore, you've revealed who your true father is. Because the nature of God the Father is not in you. Because if it was in you, you would love me. Because he who does not have the Son does not have the Father. 1 John 2.23 As the old, I think it was a commercial, you can't have one without the other. That's the way it is. I don't even know where that commercial was from, but like you, I have a lot of silly things in my head. Uh, Those little songs, I don't know what it is, but anyway, go to... Go to Ephesians chapter 3. So every family in heaven and on earth derives its name from this father, and I think that's just speaking of the whole of the church. There is a family in heaven. They are saints. They are the church in heaven, and there's a family still on earth, and we are the church, and we derive our name from the same father, whether in heaven and or on earth. The church is the church is the church. And so when we get to heaven, guess what we will encounter? The church. That's who's going to be in heaven. The church. So when you walk into a church on a Sunday morning and you get to worship with the church, that's just a foretaste of what's ahead. And there you will gather. And can you imagine this? A little talk with Daniel, a little talk with Abraham, Joseph, Adam for about 10, 15 minutes at least. Adam. Right Now he says that he, God the Father, would grant you, now Paul, remember he's praying. And I think we could take this very personally. He, this is what he would pray for us. He's praying it for the church, much like Jesus prayed for the church. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, this is the first part of the prayer, the specifics, to be strengthened with power, Through his spirit, where? In the inner man. Paul's first prayer for the family of God is a prayer for power or strength in the inner man. Remember when uh, Paul was talking about his struggle with sin, he said, I find this 
than this principle that evil is present in me, the one who wishes to do good. I joyfully concur with the law in the inner man, but in the members of my flesh I find another law, waging war, right? Turn back to 2 Corinthians, just a a couple uh, letters back, and look at chapter 4, verse 16. Chapter 4, verse 16. Paul says, he's going through all the difficulty that sometimes comes through a gospel ministry, 2 Corinthians 4.16, and he says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, and all God's people said, Amen. <laughs> Yet our what? Inner man is being renewed how often? Day by day. I, I talk a lot about one of my heroes, Dr. Walter Martin, but he was truly one of the greatest preachers I've ever heard. And he said, you know what? Your, your carcass is dying. He said, you can do all kinds of things to try to rub the creams and do the things and put the belts. <laughs> Anybody ever invest in one of those belts where you're supposed to be able to sit and eat cupcakes and you're going to get a six-pack? Because <laughs> it just doesn't. <laughs> that sounds great. I'm going to try that for $19.99. But wait, you can get two of them, Right? One for you and one for your dog or your wife or whatever. You don't want to give that as a Christmas gift, trust me. But anyway. So the outward carcass is decaying. Uh, they say every seven years the body goes through this cycle. I, I can't remember the exact age, but somewhere in your mid-20s you start to... And then every seven-year cycle that goes by, you just can't believe what's happening to you. You look in the mirror and you go... No, that really, no, that can't be. Me? And then you compare it to a picture. My son put a picture of me up on Facebook when I was about 19. And he goes, this is dad back in the day. And I'm like, right? So Scott, Scott said something to me. He said, yeah, Pastor Michael, there you are, man. You're all buff. And then I was like, what am I now? You know, come on, Scott. He goes, oh, yeah. it happens to all of us. Amen. Because then I went back and looked at the picture, and you're, you're right, Scott. I was totally lean and buffed. I could eat a burrito at midnight, and nothing would happen to my waistline. Now, I pass the restaurant, and my waistline gains five pounds. Anyway. And all the older people in the church said, Amen. <laughs> now, that he would grant you, this is back in the prayer, go back to Ephesians 3. Paul says, I want, I'm praying that God would grant you according to his riches, not just from his riches, but according to his riches. Uh, when you give according to your riches, that means you're giving from everything that you possess. To be 16, strengthened, that word means to increase in strength or to empower, to give vigor, uh, that you would be strengthened with power. Notice it's through his spirit and the target is the inner man. That's where God is always working. It's in the inner man, in the inner man. God is not, God said when David was about to be selected as king, I don't look at the exterior. I look at the heart. That's where God cares. You know, that they said uh, there's descriptions in church tradition about Paul, and it's not pretty. They said Paul was bow-legged, He had a big hooked nose. He was balding, big furry eyebrows. That's a description of the Apostle Paul, uh, according to church tradition. Apparently, he wasn't a looker. But you want to talk about spiritual depth? You want to talk about a beauty on the inside? You want to talk about a deeply spiritual man? That's Paul. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Pastor Michael Lance would like to invite you to our next 633 event called On the Brink, A Warning to America. I can't think of anything more relevant and more that needs explanation and clarification and illumination than the topic of Marxism, socialism, and communism. The next 633 event will be August 22nd at 6.30 with guest pastor Christian Ionesco. He's a Chicago pastor who fled persecution in communist Romania and really became a religious refugee in America. Now he is saying that he is seeing signs in America, similar things that were happening in Romania as they were being prepped to really transfer over to communism. Learn more about this next 633 event on walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. To be 16, strengthened, that word means to increase in strength or to empower, to give vigor, uh, that you would be strengthened with power. Notice it's through his spirit, and the target is the inner man. That's where God is always working. It's in the inner man, in the inner man. God is not, God said when David was about to be selected as king, I don't look at the exterior. I look at the heart. That's where God cares. You know, they, they said uh, there's descriptions in church tradition about Paul, and it's not pretty. They said Paul was bow-legged. He had a big hooked nose. He was balding, big furry eyebrows. That's a description of the Apostle Paul, uh, according to church tradition. Apparently, he wasn't a looker. But you want to talk about... Spiritual depth, you want to talk about a beauty on the inside, you want to talk about a deeply spiritual man, that's Paul. And he says, I want God to give you power according to the riches of his glory. His glory testifies to his riches, riches that are inexhaustible, uh, incredible, inexhaustible power source. Uh, Stuart Briscoe once remarked, we need to be like the little boy who was heard to say when he fell into a barrel of molasses, Lord, make my capacity equal to this opportunity. <laughs> I say that before Thanksgiving meals, yeah. right? You got to fast a couple days before Thanksgiving, and then everything's put on there, right? Now, there's, either, there's two modes. Either you do that prayer, make my capacity equal to all this food, right? Or you do this thing, I'm not going to do it this year. This year, I'm only going to have one helping. They're not going to roll me around in the living room and the cowboys play, Inevitably, I lose. But anyway, verse 17. So that, now he's talked about the power, and every time you see a verse, we kind of change to the next verse, I want you to see a link in progression. The thoughts are linked. So that, now he's been talking about the power uh, manifested in us, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, who's he praying for? Believers. Believers. Doesn't Christ already dwell in my heart through faith? Why would Paul pray that for believers? See the word dwell there? 
The word means to settle down and feel at home. It has the idea of to pervade or to prompt or to govern a life. Notice, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The famous apologetics verse, 1 Peter 3.15 says, but sanctify Christ as Lord, where? In your hearts. And always be ready. You and I have to make a decision to set apart Jesus Christ in the center of our being every single day. And for that matter, every moment of every day, you need to set him apart as Lord. And that's written to believers. And Ephesians 3.17 is written to believers. And it's saying that Christ would be settled. Uh, The word from Weist is described as to settle down and feel at home. Jesus in John 14.23 said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. This speaks not of, in my view, salvation, but of sanctification. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 30. Just skip over one chapter. Ephesians 4, verse 30 says, And do not grieve, who? The Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed, till when? The day of redemption. That's the day of Christ. That's the day of the Lord. You're sealed to the day of redemption, but you can still grieve, guess who? The Holy Spirit who lives in you. And how do you grieve him? Unresolved anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. We'll deal with this chapter later. Unwholesome words coming out of your mouth. Scary. The Lord lives in us, but he's not always settled. Think of it this way. You feel at home with certain people, right? There's certain people that you connect with rather quickly and you feel like you've known each other forever. And there's certain places that you go, maybe certain relatives' homes, uh, oftentimes it's another believing home, you feel pretty settled, you feel comfortable there. There's other people and places you go you don't feel so settled. You know why? Maybe you haven't hit it off personality-wise or maybe it's an unbeliever's home and you're just not comfortable there. And the implication of the language, please hear this well, is that there's some lives that Jesus isn't completely feeling at home in. He's there, but he's not settled there. That's the thought of the language. There, there are things just unsettled in that life, and therefore, um, this is the image. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts, be settled at home in your hearts through faith. In his booklet, My Heart, Christ's home, Robert Munger, pictures the Christian life as a house through which Jesus goes from room to room. In the library, which is the mind, Jesus finds trash and all sorts of worthless things and he proceeds to throw out and replace with his word. In the dining room of appetite, he finds many sinful desires listed on a worldly menu. In the place of such things as prestige, materialism, and lust, he puts humility, meekness, love, and all other virtues from which, for which believers are to hunger and thirst. He goes through the living room of fellowship, where he finds many worldly companions and activities, through the workshop where only toys are being made, into the closet where hidden sins are kept, and so on and so on through the entire house. Only when he has cleaned every room, closet, and corner of sin and foolishness could he settle down and be at home. Close quote. Now you may be thinking, sure, Pastor Michael? Really? I'm pretty sure. But I want to show you a verse that 
kind of cements this. And I want to take you to Revelation chapter 3. And I'll show you lukewarm Laodicea. Revelation chapter 3. Turn there with me and look at verse 20. You've heard Billy Graham preach it. You've heard Greg Laurie preach it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. It's a great verse. It could be used for evangelistic reasons, but I think most of you know that that verse is not written to unbelievers, right? That verse is written to a church that is lukewarm and the Lord's been warning the church to get things right. And the Lord is pictured as outside the door of the church asking to come in to his church. Can you imagine that? No, Jesus, we don't have time for you. We're the church after all. That's the image. But it's, it's not just the corporate church, it's an individual. Because notice it says, if anyone, middle of 20, and I, I think it's speaking to individuals within the lukewarm congregation of Laodicea. If anyone in there will hear my voice and open the door, it's an individual choice. I will come in. And this speaks of a, a slow uh, uh, meal, the main meal of dining. I will dine with him and he with me. As Holman Hunt's famous picture shows, Christ is on the outside of the door knocking, saying, if anyone hears my voice, and opens the door. And what the invitation is, is a reopening to intimate fellowship. Now look at the previous verse, and I think this will answer the context. Those 19 whom I, what? I love, I reprove and discipline. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Now, Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 11, make it clear that God does not discipline illegitimate children. He disciplines the one that he loves, Therefore, this verse is written to believers. And the point of the verse is open the door to me to restore intimate fellowship. How many people in the Christian church do you think need to hear these verses? Everybody. But there are certain people that definitely don't have what we would call an intimate relationship with the Lord. Maybe it's immaturity. Maybe they're too used to fast food kind of Christianity. You know what I'm saying? This implies a long, leisurely meal of time with the Lord, meditation on His Word, seeking His face, getting to know Him better. But we're a fast food generation. We like 20-minute sermons so we can get on and have our cheeseburger. Come on, preacher. Let's go. Got people to see, things to do. What do you mean another 10 minutes? Go back to Ephesians. (laughs) That's a personal rant. You guys have heard the little kid that's sitting in church with her mama And she says, Mama, why is it that every Sunday that that preacher takes off his watch and carefully places it on on the pulpit? What does that mean, Mama? And she says, absolutely nothing, sweetheart. It means absolutely nothing. You've been listening to The Prayer and Power of Love and Fullness, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Walk in Truth is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we'd love to connect with you. It's great to meet our listeners, and not everyone can visit the church here in Corona, California, although we recommend you do. But either way, please connect with Walk in Truth on social media. And thanks. Now here's Pastor Michael.
Well, what do we make of Paul saying that there's a love, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge? Does that mean that faith is like a blind leap? No, I think he's talking about the depth of God's love. It's so deep, so wide, so high that it's hard to fully comprehend it. And yet at the same time, we can experience it because it's God's love poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. This is Romans 5, who was given to us. So here's the point. It's a how deep the Father's love, man. It's deep, it's wide, it's high, and yet it's accessible, and it is knowable. Now, there's depths and, and riches to it that surpass my knowledge. Like sometimes I wonder, God, how can you love a guy like me? And yet at the same time, it's what the Bible teaches, that God so loved us that he gave Christ his best. It's not a blind faith, my brother, my sister. It's faith in the revealed word of God in love incarnate. His name is Jesus. Make sure you trust in him today as your Savior and your Lord. And we'll do part three tomorrow on Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael. Hey, thanks for listening. God bless you. Lord willing, we'll see you right here tomorrow. And one more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Thanks to listeners and church partners like you, we're now on three more radio stations. So praise God about that. Hey, if you're a longtime listener, please become a partner of at least $5 a month. You can visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, called The Prayer and Power of Love and Fullness. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.